several years ago, I had a vision. Not that kind of vision. But I was inspired to create a... um, It was basically a large project that would potentially be a resource for the North American Division and beyond. And I had actually spent some time with the leaders of the division and to convince them to use this project or this software that uh, I was developing. And one, of the, one of the leaders, and I, I'm, not, I'm not mentioning any names today, but it was one of the, one of the top leaders, uh, came and sat with me and the developers and we were talking and I was explaining the the dream, if you will, the vision of the the whole process and what it would look like. And his response was, well, I want to see it in action before we commit to anything. I thought, fair enough. Well, this was a project that I had just really decided that, you know, this was what God wanted me to do. And I dove in wholeheartedly. Um, I was pouring myself into this. I spent hours and weeks and months and years working on it with developers, designers, and finally to beta testers. And it was finally at a launching place. And I was at this convention where there were leaders of the North American Division there, and they would be there. And as I was walking around, I saw the one leader that I had spent time with with developers just a couple of years before. And I went up to him and I said, it's ready. Would you like to see it in action? And his response, I'm sorry, who are you? It was at that point that I knew this was not going to (laughs) go. After I reminded him, and I told him who I was and what we were working, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've actually been working with someone else to create that very same concept. He had taken my idea, he had stolen my idea, and because he had the money to do it, he went and ran and did it. It hurts when someone doesn't remember who you are. It hurts when you feel as though, you know, the things that you work so hard for, they don't come to fruition. You know, especially when you you think you know them and you thought that they knew you back. Which brings us to a very sobering verse in Scripture, one that we're going to be looking at today. The next warning that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 7, I invite you to open your Bibles with me. Remember, Jesus gave us a warning that there is a narrow gate and a wide gate, a wide path and a narrow path. One leads to life, one leads to destruction. He's warned about false prophets those trying to destroy God's people. And he talked about knowing them by their fruit. And now he's warning us about something else. Let's pray. Father, as we open up your your word here, and we see what you said on that mountain. We pray that you would speak to us, that our hearts would be open, that your spirit would would move and transform us. I pray that you would anoint my lips and my mind, that the words that I speak are from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're gonna start in verse 21. 
Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Leave me, you who practice lawlessness. While there were two gates, two roads, while there were two types of prophets, it's not simply saying that there are just two groups of disciples. While that can be seen, certainly it's almost as though he's warning disciples that they may not be disciples after all. Even if we profess the Lord, meaning that we know that he is the Messiah. We, we know who he is. We know what his word says. Even if we, I mean, these are his words. Even if we prophesy in his name, even if we cast out demons in his name, even if we perform miracles in his name, and I'll keep going, even if we keep Sabbath in his name, even if we change our diet in his name, even if we memorize scripture in his name, even if we accept all the doctrines in his name, even if we pray the most eloquent prayers in his name, even if we fast often in his name, even if, if, even if, even if, even if we do the most amazing things, Jesus said, even if, there will be many who will not be allowed into the kingdom of heaven. Why? I mean, isn't this a, you see why it's so sobering? He gives two reasons. Number one, they aren't doing the will of God. It says that, uh, it, right there, it says, Lord, Lord, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the, the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. So there's a disconnect between doing the will of God. And then at the very end, he says, leave me, you who practice lawlessness. So there's a, there's a connection there that says you're not doing the will of God, you're actually practicing lawlessness, which I, I think we'll come back to. But number two, he says, I don't know you. In fact, he says, I never knew you. How is that possible? How could we be doing all these amazing biblical religious things and he not know who we are? Doesn't he know what cause we're doing for him? How does he not know us? I mean, he says the one who does the will of my Father. Well, aren't these things that we're supposed to do? So, is anybody else as confused as me? I mean, it's like he's telling us that we're supposed to do something, but then he says, here's all the things that you've been doing, and it's still not good enough. How are those things, prophesying, casting out demons, performing miracles, how are they not things that are God's will? And if those aren't God's will, then what in the world is? And the thing that gets me about this verses is the people who are the most surprised are the ones who think that they're getting in. That they're shocked the most. 
Doesn't that, I mean, you think about it. He says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And they say, but Lord, look at all the things that we've done. I mean, they're the ones who are shocked. They're surprised. What do you mean? Look at all the things that we've been doing in your name. Certainly that accounts for something. I may not have all the answers to these questions because there's some big ones there. But I do know of another place where Jesus tells a story that has the same outcome. And maybe we can get a few answers there. So turn with me, same book, Matthew chapter 25. As we know, when we get into Matthew 24 and 25, 26, we, we have the, the, we know that this is the end. And we know that, that while chapter 26 is getting into the plot to kill Jesus and, and those types of things, 24, 25, Jesus is talking about the end, the end of time. He's talking about when the, the, not only would Jerusalem be destroyed, but he's also pointing forward to the very end and what to be looking for. And so in, verse tw- in chapter 25, we get this picture that he's talking about of things how it will be in the latter days or in the last days. And here's what he says. Here's a story, Matthew 25, verse 1 says, the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they did not take extra oil with them. But the prudent ones took oil in flasks with their lamps. Now while the groom was delaying, they all became drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight, there finally was a shout, behold, the groom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. But the foolish virgins said to the prudent ones, Give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. However, the prudent ones answered, No, there most certainly would not be enough for us, and you too go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the groom came, and those who were ready went in, and with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut." Yet later, the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, ah, Lord, Lord, open up to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, because you do not know the day nor the hour. Another one of those stories that Jesus is teaching that may put a little bit of anxiety in your heart. That spiritual anxiety. And I think that maybe this is where we get in, you know, when we start talking about that we have the assurance of salvation, someone would look at this story and they see what Jesus says and say, not so fast. Look at what Jesus said. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter. But let's look at this story a little bit deeper. I think it's important that we understand it just, just a little bit. As, as we break things down here, all ten were virgins. All ten, you could say, had pure biblical beliefs. All had lamps. All of them went to meet the bridegroom. All of them looked forward to the second coming. 
right? All of them went to sleep. All of them went to sleep. All of them prepared their lamps. We're dealing with all church members here. We're dealing with all believers. We're dealing with the, the disciples, if you will. All of them. Everyone's included. And what I, what I like about the story is there wasn't a group that stayed awake and one that, that didn't and you know, all these different things. It's, it's, it really had not a lot of what they did in the story because they all did the same thing. It was, there was one difference, one difference, and that was the oil. That's it. The only difference between the prudent or the wise and the foolish was oil. Burning lamps need oil. And so we look at it and we say, well, what, what, is, what, is, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, in order to understand just a little bit, let's go back to the Old Testament to Zechariah. Zechariah in chapter 4. As we want to see more of what this oil represents, and while you may immediately want to jump to, well, I know what it means, let's dig in just a little bit deeper and see. Zechariah chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Then the angel who had been speaking with me returned and woke me, like a person who was awakened from his sleep, and he said to me, what do you see? And I said, I see and behold a lampstand, all of gold, with its bowl on the top of it, and its seven lamps on it, with seven spouts belonging to each of the lamps which are on the top of it. Also two olive trees by it, one on the right side of the bowl and the other on the left side. Then I said to the angel who was speaking with me, saying, what are these, my Lord? So the angel who was speaking with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. So here, understand that we have a lampstand with gold, and there's, there's these two olive trees that are supplying it the oil. And here we have, Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit. He's basically saying the only way that these lamps stay lit is the oil. And he's, he goes into it and says, and here what, here's what I'm trying to tell you, is that it's not by how strong you are. It's not by how much power you have. It's by the power of my Spirit. The oil not only represents the Holy Spirit, but it represents something bigger, something deeper. The oil represents the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just representing that this is the Holy Spirit, it is representing the power that the Spirit has in our lives. It is the oil who makes 
the lamp to produce light. It is the Holy Spirit who changes our lives, our characters, that we can reflect God's character of love, that we can be the light of the world. It is the transforming power of the Holy Spirit that makes the difference. It is the transforming power of the Holy Spirit that leads you into the will of the Father and keeps you there. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Leave me, you who practice lawlessness. Remember lawlessness. Lawlessness is this idea that, there sh- that it's missing something that should be there. In fact, lawlessness is the definition of sin. That's what, that's what John tells us. But it, when we look at it, we have to look at it and say, well, what should be there that's not there? And I think that what Jesus is getting at, based on what he talks about in the parable of the ten virgins, and then right here, I think he's looking at it to say, I'm not just looking about the things that you do. I'm looking at who's doing them in you. I'm not, I'm not about just having you go around. I mean, you can imagine that people could very easily become very popular by going around and, and proclaiming things in the name of Jesus, doing healings, miraculous healings in the name of Jesus, going out and casting out demons, exorcism. You talk about something that was so big, so great, so powerful in the name of Jesus. People could look at them and say, wow, he's doing all these things or she's doing all these things in the name of Jesus. Sometimes people do that, don't they? I think it's interesting that Jesus put this section right in there with the prophets to be careful of the false prophets. And he says to to look at their fruit. And in this, you would think that these are good things of the fruit. You would think if anyone is doing good, it's these people that are are casting out demons and performing miracles and and doing these, these amazing, powerful, biblical things. And he says... You shall know them by their fruit. And so maybe it's not the miracles that are supposed to be performed. Maybe it's not the exorcisms. Maybe it's not the prophesying. You know, maybe maybe Jesus is looking for something more. Maybe he's looking for the true fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love and joy, and peace, and kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. Maybe it's, maybe Jesus is trying to get our attention to tell us
that it's not just what you do. So what does this mean for us? It means that when we have the Spirit in our lives, we live out of the abundance of what God gives us, not what we're trying to achieve. Let me explain. For years, most of my life, I have been trying to get to God. Imagine that God is the big circle in the middle and you have all these things around the circle trying to get to the circle. And so I was told in my life, and I just assumed that it was true, that there are certain things that I needed to do in order for God to accept me, for God to approve of me, for God to finally say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so I was told that I need to pray And so I pray so I could get to God. I would read my Bible so that I could get to God. I would try my best to witness so that I could get God's approval. I would change my behaviors because I was afraid that my behaviors were keeping me from God. Do you see what is happening here? Is there is all these things that I'm trying to do in order to get to the one who really has the power to transform my life to do those things. Do you see? And so ultimately, throughout my entire life, I was doing all these things on my own strength. I gotta get up early, I gotta read my Bible. If I don't read my Bible, then God's not gonna be with me today. If God's not gonna be with me today, my life is gonna fall apart. And if my life is gonna fall apart, I'm gonna be walking down the wide path and then I'm gonna be lost forever. So I, I, would, I would have to do that. Oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pray, I gotta read my Bible, I gotta, oh man, I didn't witness enough today, God's gonna be mad at me. It's, gonna, it's this whole thing about me trying to get God to finally say, hey, I accept you. You finally are doing my, my work. You're finally doing what I want you to do. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Now get in here and I'll, I'll give you a hug and, and give you acceptance. Maybe it has to do with the way that we view our own parents sometimes. Maybe it's the way that we view our own relationships when we're trying to receive approval from someone else that we look up to and when we don't get it and it just drives us nuts because we're doing everything we can for them to finally say, hey man, good job or hey, I'm proud. I'm proud of you. And you never get that. And so you just, you just keep trying and keep trying. And at some point, at some point, you've been there and I've been there where we say, what does it matter anymore? Why should I even try anymore? But let me explain a different way to view it. What if we lived a life out of the abundance of who we are in Christ? What if... What if you could put yourself in the middle with God in Christ? It's only in Christ, right? By the Son, you get to the Father. So it's by accepting Jesus Christ. It's about receiving what Christ has done because he loves you so much. God sent his only Son in the world to die for you. And so he, he comes and he, he saves you. He redeems you. And now look out of it just a little bit differently. What if then, instead of me always trying to get into the circle, what if I was already in? By the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ, I'm in. And now my life 
is transformed by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. And you know what I want to do? I want to talk to my God. I want to stay connected with him in prayer. You know what I want to do? I want to read my Bible because it reveals who it is that saved me from my life of sin, that redeemed me, that I get to know the character of who he is. And so I read and I learn and I come to know better his will for my life and how he's speaking to me. The light that shines through me now is a natural witness. And now as I'm witnessing to others, it's not a a cringy thing. It's not a forced thing. It is a natural spirit-led thing that I'm not trying to get my points together so I can go to God and say, look how many people I witnessed to today. And he'll say, oh, good job or bad job. Instead, it's just him flowing through me and he leads me and I'm listening and I'm aware of how God is going to use me in those areas of witnessing his love and grace to other people. What about those behaviors? Well, naturally, by the transforming power of the Spirit in me, my life changes. Things that I once thought were really important to me are no longer important to me. The, the things that, that I, I so desperately wanted in my life, I no longer want. The, the things of the world that I thought I had to have in order to be happy or, or in order to, to, to satisfy my desires no longer is needed because the transformation power of the Spirit changes my heart. Do you see the difference? There's one where I'm trying to appease a God, and there's one that I'm living out his goodness and mercy in my life. One, I dare say, is pagan. And one is a true relationship with our Savior. Isn't that why we do what we do? Hopefully it is. That I would, that I would follow in the, the narrow path because that's, that's where Jesus is leading me. And that's, that's, where, that's who I'm with and he's the one that's giving me the strength. Imagine how your life could be different if you lived out of the abundance of what God has already done in your life and who he already is in your life. Imagine that being the source of all the things that you do rather than the opposite, trying to gain approval. Can you imagine the difference of what that would be in your life? I want you to think about it for a moment. How would your prayer life change if you were praying out of the abundance of what God has already done in your life and what he's doing in your life versus a prayer of trying to get him to accept you. Imagine how reading the Bible would change if it's not just a checklist to say, look God, I'm reading your Bible. I hope you're noticing that I'm doing this. Instead, it's now from the abundance of what God has done, he now gets to reveal his love and his mercy throughout his word and you get to know him better 
and your relationship is strengthened and you get to know what his word says and how you live your life. It's, it's life transformation. Imagine how different you would witness. Imagine how different your, your life and your, your habits and your thinking and your behavior would change if it, was, if it was being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit versus being trying to change based on what you think or what someone has told you. Imagine how different that would be. Probably be some lasting differences, don't you think? That it wouldn't just be done out of fear or guilt. Trust me, I know how that works. Throughout my life, I knew, I knew there were things in my life that I needed to, I needed to let go of, and, and there it was, out of fear or out of guilt. I, I, you know, God's going to say, you never knew me. I, I'm never going to be accepted. I, I'm never going to make it. And so, but you know, only for so long would that fear motivate me. But you know what has continued to motivate? Is the love and the grace and the mercy and the power of God in my life. And I believe the same thing can happen in your life as well. That if we viewed life and lived life out of the abundance of the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, it's walking out our faith in Christ. And walking out our faith in Christ by the power of the Spirit is, I believe, living in the will of God. Some of the same behaviors, some of the same disciplines may be there. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with those four things. They're just four examples. They're not exhaustive. You could, you could surround that circle with all kinds of things. But you understand that, that even the, you, there's prayer, and there's Bible study, there's, there's witnessing, and there's behaviors. All of those things, they're the same thing. But they're done in a completely different manner and different motive in a different way. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter. But everyone who is sealed, filled, and walking out their faith by the power of the Spirit will. And we're given these promises. Turn with me as we close out. 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2 and verse 25. One, we learn that Jesus is our advocate. He calls us not to love the world, and this is the promise of eternal life. This is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. And as for you, the anointing which you received from him remains in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you remain in him. Now, little children, remain in him. 
so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not draw back from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness also has been born of him. He is the one who promised us eternal life. He is the one who anoints us with the power of his Holy Spirit. And he who has anointed us, it says that he remains in us. And so the call that John gave and the call that I give today is remain in him. Allow the transforming power of the Holy Spirit to fill you, to lead you, to guide you, to change you, to show you how to live in the freedom that comes from Jesus Christ. The power of the indwelling spirit, the anointing that he places upon your life. Remain in him. Remember whose you are. Remember who you are in Christ. Don't let the enemy come in and try to tell you any different. Don't let the deceiver come in and try to tell you any different. You are God's. You are his, sealed. You are, you are here for a purpose of his. He's going to use you. He's going to work in your life. He's going to continue to, to move among you. He's going to do this. You are Christ's. You are God. You are God's. You are in him. He is in you. And when you recognize that, then you look at it and say, how does my life transform and change because he's living in me? Remember who you are. Remain in him. The idea is he sealed you with the Spirit. Stay sealed. (laughs) He filled you with the Spirit. Stay filled. Keep asking him to to fill you. Keep recognizing who you are in him. Just keep telling him, Lord, thank you that I am your child. Thank you that I am redeemed. Thank you that I am brand new. I'm a new creation. Now, Lord, as I live this life, as I go out into the world today, the enemy's going to try to tell me different. The enemy's going to pull one of those things that he did with Jesus. If you are the son of God, he's going to do the same thing in your life. If you are a child of God, then prove it, right? He's going to do all these things. Don't fall for that temptation. Look at it and say, I am a child of God. I am in Christ. I am free in Jesus. And so because of that, the power of the transforming spirit changed my life today. May I see things differently. May I hear things differently. May I live differently. May I love differently. May you guide my steps. May you lead me every step of the way. May I enter into the narrow gate. May I stay on the narrow gate. May I discern between good and bad. May I discern the fruits. May I live and love and and totally live my life for my Savior. What a different way to live. Remain in him. Because as John says, he remains in you. He remains in you with the same spirit that he anointed you with. He remains in you. Never forget that. Never forget that. And if you trip, if you fall, if you make the wrong choice, he still remains with you. He still loves you. He's going to pick you up. He's going to wash you off. 
He's going to get you back on that path because that's his goodness. That's who he is. He takes no delight in the destruction of the wicked. He is here to save his people. He loves you. And when that day comes, when that day comes, I believe by the transforming power of his Holy Spirit, he is going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, for allowing me to live in and through you. Father in heaven, what an amazing promise that the anointing which we have received from you remains in us. And may that anointing, may your spirit, may it not just be someone that we ask to, to help us, but may we allow your spirit to transform us, that it would change our hearts, that your spirit would, would change the way that we think, would change the way that we look, change the way that we, we hear, that we would change the way that we act, that we would change, that everything would be changed all because of the transforming power of the Spirit. Not by power, not by might, but by your Spirit. And Lord, if we prophesy, we prophesy. And if we cast out demons, we cast out demons. If we perform miracles, we perform miracles. But they're not just because we're saying your name. May it be because you are living in us and through us. Because the greatest miracle in the test of time is that you won our hearts and that we remain in you and you in us. Now may we live a life that your light shines so bright that others would witness and experience that same power of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. You are free in Christ. Go and live like it.